0: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's AXA Expert Webinar, Class 2 and 3, Correction in Adult and Teen Patient with an uh, Invisalign with Dr. Willie Dayan. It is now my distinct pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Dr. William Dayan. Dr. Dayan has been uh, orthodontist for the, over 20 years. He reached the level of Invisalign Elite Advantage Provider in 2005 and has been treating Invisalign patients since 2000. In addition to his full-time private practice in orthodontics, He's a regular lecturer for Invisalign across North America and a guest lecturer at the University of Toronto Department of Orthodontics, the uh, Toronto Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, the Ontario Dental Association, and the Alpha Omega Dental Fraternity. He holds a DDS degree and diploma in orthodontics from the the University of Toronto. So without further ado, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Willie Dan. Dr. Dan, you now have the floor. Hello, everybody, and good morning uh, or good afternoon,
1: depending on where you are in the country. I'm really happy to be here and thankful to Invisalign to have this opportunity to share information with you across the lines. Today's topic is Class two and Class three corrections in the adult and teen patient with Invisalign. The ideas that I'm going to express today are the ideas I use in my practice, and I hope you enjoy them and can use them in your own practice. I have my email here so that in case anybody does have further questions even after the seminar and still has a clinical question they'd like to ask me, feel free to email me, drwilliedayanne at gmail.com. These are my families, a family in the practice and a family at home, and there are some pictures of my practice. And if you're ever in Toronto, please come and visit. Today's outline is to first review some principles that I believe of orthodontics with Invisalign. And then next is to go into both class 2 corrections and class 3 corrections and how I do them with Invisalign. When we get to orthodontics with Invisalign, I have principles that I believe strongly orthodontics is not just straight teeth, but we have to pay attention a lot to the function of the bite and to how the two jaws meet. And that does come to play, especially in class 2 and class 3 corrections. I believe Invisalign, it's very, very good, but it's not magic, so we have to watch our videos very carefully, the ClinCheck videos, and decide if they're biomechanically sound. And last, I'll review two golden rules that I believe, or I use in my ClinCheck analysis when I'm looking at them. When I say orthodontics is not just straight teeth, I mean that we have to look at skeletal foundations, anterior guidance, vertical relationships, And this is what orthodontics has done for many years. So by looking at a ClinCheck alone, we cannot tell whether we should correct an overbite by intruding upper teeth or lower teeth. We'd have to look at many more records. And so as such, it's the orthodontist who decides on the diagnosis and eventually the treatment plan and that aligned upper and lower arches, just straightening teeth on a video, is not an orthodontic treatment plan. And so... An orthodontist or a dentist using Invisalign, anybody using Invisalign, should know. Are we going to retract anteriors? How will we retract them? Shall we take out teeth? Shall we expand arches? Should we procline? Should we intrude? Should we extrude? These are all questions have to be answered in our mind before we come up to the check and decide what are the biomechanics to carry that out. Since we are the clinicians and on our partnership with Invisalign, we have technicians who can maneuver teeth on a video and maneuver and use tools in the ClinCheck to help us. We doctor our ClinCheck with the help of the technician. I do use attachments and I know many patients always are concerned that they'd like to have smooth Invisalign, but I I believe this is the way I present attachments, at least in my own practice. So for the girl on the right to have a beautiful smile and she starts off, as you can see on the pictures on the left, with some teeth that are crooked, like this upper lateral that is sticking out, then she will have Invisalign with attachments on her front teeth and it will look as you see it in front of you. If she takes the aligner out, it will look as you see it here, but the attachments are still on the teeth. So this is during treatment while at the end of treatment, she can have a beautiful smile and have success. So it does take attachments sometimes to move teeth properly. I do not show attachments like this where they're bigger than teeth naturally are because that looks a lot scarier than it needs to look. And so I'd much prefer to show pictures like this than pictures like that. And finally, this is probably the best picture to show. This is a girl wearing Invisalign with her trays on and attachments, the new G3 optimized attachments on her cuspids. And that's what she looks like in real life. And I think she looks very good with it. If patients still insist on saying, well, I don't want any attachments no matter what, and if they have some teeth that I know biomechanically will not treat without a good grip, then I will show them a picture like this to tell them that I look like the screen or the picture that you see on the left here, and sometimes I wake up in the morning and I'd like to look like the screen on the right, but it's orthodontics, not magic. When we use attachments, people get concerned that many attachments make the trays very difficult to take on and off. So I have two videos here to show you patients with multiple attachments on their teeth, one video is going to show a patient with multiple attachments taking them on and off and placing elastics. So here's the patient, I believe, with the multiple attachments. Okay, okay. And like the picture on the no, right, you can see he slips his aligners on, and he has many attachments, but they're so easy to take off that he takes the tray off with his tongue on the top and he uses his hand on the bottom. So even with all those attachments that you see in the picture on the right, the patient is able to remove, I will show the video again. The patient okay. is able to put the t- trays on very easily and take them off very easily without extreme trouble. So I do not believe that attachments themselves cause extreme difficulty for tray removal. There is a way to teach it and you really peel the tray on and off, as we'll see in this second video. This patient also has a so yeah. on okay. all his sheets uh, across the anterior teeth. He is a class 2 Div 2 with lots of torque before power ridges. So there the trays are on, and now he's going to put his class 2 elastics. No elastics on, that'll the be fantastic. The class 2 elastics are usually an aligner hook on the top and a button on the bottom. That's him putting his class of on. And you can see how quickly he puts his elastics on. And that's no slower, no faster than patients putting elastics on with, the liner with braces. So for me, Invisalign is no different in how I approach my class 2 and class 3 treatments. And I use attachments as I use braces to get a grip on teeth. With Invisalign, it may not be magic, but it is very good. So now with the ability in G3 and continuing in G4, we can order hooks and cutouts on our aligners that can make our life very, very easy for both Class 2 and Class 3 elastic use. The precision cuts are now compatible, or the, yes, the Class, three, class 2 or Class 3 elastic precision cuts are compatible with G3 optimized attachments. But if ever they are not compatible, there is a way to doctor your aligners and make your own hooks, as we used to do for many years before. Or we can doctor the ClinCheck, which I'll have examples of during the talk. The two golden rules I'd like to share with you for ClinCheck analysis, but not necessarily go deeply today, is that when we look at videos moving, we need to think like plastic and feel like a tooth. Some of you have heard this or have heard me say this before, and so it just simply means that watching a tooth move on a video, we need to think how is that tooth pushed to position, because aligners cannot pull, they can only push, and once we know where that push surface is, then we can decide on what the force vectors are on the teeth. The second rule, is to really related to the first, is to stop watching that video as teeth moving. We don't get teeth back from a line; we get aligners. And so, really, the video is a representation of the inner surfaces of the aligners changing over time. So, when you see a tooth moving across a screen, you're not really going to ever see a tooth moving across a screen. Teeth don't move across screens; they move in alveolar bone. But what does move across screens is the changing surface of a liner, and that's going to put a force on a tooth. And one needs to think about what force that will put on the tooth, and then doctor the clinche. Let's get to Class two corrections. What I'd like to review is the list of things here that I'll lift you if you ever want to review this slideshow look at that list, but we'll certainly be covering it as we go along. The first is vertical control with class two corrections. Although this patient has a dentoalveolar class one, as you can see in the buccal segments or class 1 interdigitation. He still has a class 2 skeletal base, so facial features as well as the ceph, shows us to have a quite retrognathic mandible. So downward and backward rotation of this mandible would be a severe disadvantage to this patient as it would probably produce overjet, and if we fight that overjet with class 2 elastics, we know that the vertical vector of class II elastics will even further rotate the mandible down and back. Well, what was nice for this patient is that I'm able in one year, in 27 aligners, to produce correction of both the alignment and the overbite, as we'll soon see closely. As you can see here, the anterior overbite and the alignment is much more improved in the bottom picture than in the top picture and the same for the maxillary alignment compared to before and after in one year. And yet, during this year, we have not lost the class one interdigitation, and this patient did not wear any elastics. So the advantage of Invisalign is that it acts as a posterior bite block to lock the posterior occlusion and not rotate mandibles down and back as bite planes or many times braces have much more or greater vertical production of forces that rotate the jaws down and back. So that's one of the things I like about Invisalign in class 2 cases. So here's a class 2, division 2, half-cusp or quarter-cusp malocclusion, or half probably, and my approach traditionally has always been to get some distalization first. Now there's many ways to distalize molars first into class one. I choose this removable appliance that has Glen Ross screws at the back to push the molars back as in a chamois appliance, and then I use class two elastics to hooks on an Adam's clasp down to buttons in the lower arch, as you can see here, for the class two elastic to hook on. and the Class II elastic, and then you have a Essex on the lower arch that holds the lower arch intact. You could use a fixed lingual arch if you choose and do the same thing. When the patient is then ready for Invisalign impressions, we would take an impression and then put a holding Essex in so that these bicuspids don't float around freely while we're ordering the ClinCheck, and that way the trays will come back and fit. Now, the biomechanics that then go on during the patient's treatment are going to be shown in the ClinCheck. And for those of you who are familiar with, for example, a 10-2 system, then that's what we're going to be using in our biomechanical thinking for the correction of this occlusion. So during this correction, we have space on the top, and as that space is being closed, imagine a power chain is retracting the cuspids and bicuspids backwards against the molars that have just been pushed backwards. We know that the molars are going to have a tendency to come forward and we're going to lose our correction. So we need class two elastics to support this situation. And so each aligner is an active power chain retracting several teeth, maybe not all the teeth at once. That's up to the orthodontist. To direct the technician, whether they want staged movements or continuous movements. In my practice, in this situation, I would probably put a stopped arch in on braces and power chain the bicuspids back first. Then later, I would power chain the cuspid back, and all the while I would use a class two elastic to a stop on my arch to hold the molars and incisors still while I'm doing those power chaining. I will use the ClinCheck the same way. I'm going to allow the bicuspids and cuspids to move back and not move the incisors in the beginning and only till later move the incisors. So once again, each aligner is acting like a stopped arch supported by class II elastics to move the teeth backwards. If I thought the video would work without any class II elastics, It would be like power chaining on an arch without stops and expecting the molars not to feel a mesial force while the bicuspids are being dragged backwards. Well, we know alveolus and teeth just do not act that way. And that's why the Class II elastics are still necessary. And so here we can see progress pictures of this patient and how their teeth align while they're wearing the Class II elastics to support the distalization of all the side teeth, and then alignment of the front teeth as well as torque. And eventually, this patient treated out very well with some minor refinements for alignment issues at the end. I do not see refinement as failure of Invisalign. I simply see it as an adjustment of wire or bracket position, just as we do in normal orthodontics, If we can't get all our brackets in the exact right position at first, we will be rebonding or repositioning at some point in treatment. With Invisalign, it makes most sense for me to do that repositioning, or let's call it refinement, at the end. And so here's the patient, and you can see at the end of treatment, the patient has a slight posterior open bite, which would be very common with someone who's worn aligners for about a year. At this point, I will put the patient into an upper 3-to-3 three three aligner, cutting off the posterior, and possibly their long-term retention would be with an anterior bite plane type of appliance since they came from a very deep overbite. But this posterior occlusion will settle if given a chance. And that's the patient from the frontal. Of course, this distalization can be done with a carrier appliance, and then once the carrier appliance is finished, they could then jump into Invisalign in the same exact way as we just described now, using class II elastics to support further distalization and torque while the aligners work to align each individual arch. In a growing patient, I will use the same technique. Here's someone in the mixed dentition. I usually wait for these patients to have their first premolars erupted. So a year later, this patient now has her first premolars and I'm able to make my distalization appliance, but this time I use the distalization appliance with a headgear instead of class II elastics because I want to restrict the maxillary growth, both vertically, as you can see, she has a very high smile line, as well as horizontally, with the discrepancy between maxilla and mandible in the Ceph. And this is not the same patient, but this is the typical appliance design. Adams clasps on the molars with the Glen Ross screws to move molars back, and headgear tubes soldered to Adams clasps on the premolars, and they can wear the headgear at home to give the maxillary restriction while they distalize the upper molars through the bite plate. And So here's this patient having worn this kind of bite plate for approximately a year, and we can see from the restriction of maxillary growth, we've been able to reduce the overjet from about five or seven millimeters down to one or two, and since we did not use any appliance on the lower arch, and the only thing we used in the maxilla was the distalizing plate, not retracting incisors, then this is simply from the differential growth produced by headgear wear. At the same time in the maxilla, we've been able to produce space to put our molars into a severe, or not severe, but overcorrected class 1 into class 3 position, while the premolars have probably drifted or have drifted to solid class 1. This patient will likely then be able to move into Invisalign and hardly use any class 2 elastics if we can get that much correction in the first phase. So class II elastics in this case became almost unnecessary just because of the good growth correction that happened during the mixed dentition, but still she can have Invisalign, and if you prefer to use a headgear, it's not incompatible. This patient can have Invisalign and still get the growth modification. Another case from another direction is a functional appliance. In this case, we want to help the mandible to come forward. My favorite appliance is a removable functional appliance and elastic open activator. But first, I'm going to procline the upper anteriors. I could use a removable plate to procline the upper anteriors to create the overjet. Once I've proclined the upper anteriors, I then have the overjet to put in the functional appliance which she then wore for about a year and a half. So here the patient had a removable to procline upper anteriors from this position here, then wore a functional appliance while the permanent dentition was completing its eruption. After this phase, I allowed a rest phase for the patient. And so here's the end of phase one after the functional appliance. Here's the end of the rest phase to just allow the occlusion and a little more eruption of the teeth so that the teeth are taller. So you can see the difference in size of this cuspid, the upper left cuspid, before the rest phase and the upper left cuspid after the rest phase. She's now a little bit older in her teen years and ready for Invisalign. And so this case would not be it's hardly class 2 now it's mostly class 1 invisalign and that's exactly how we treated it with invisalign and here's her final records that you can see with a good interdigitation class 1 and good alignment so again functional appliance is not incompatible with invisalign treatment and so the number of aligners was very minimal 15 aligners with no refinements and that was the stage two of a two-stage treatment with Invisalign only in the second stage. The last case is a case that's changed the way I've practiced. This fellow, a very nice fellow named Matthew, came in and he had had gear fitted for him many years ago, but did not wear it, and now he's past his growth. He still has his bends and still has overjet. So, at first, I offered him my usual favorite removable appliance, but after six months, he had no progress. So, what we decided to do was allow him to go into Invisalign with Class II elastics to do the distalization, but I'm going to use a bite jump instead of individual tooth distalization. It makes the Invisalign shorter, and what I believe here happened is that the posterior bite block that negates the down and back forces of Class II elastics help to make the correction even faster. And I'm going to try to show it to you and how I planned it in the ClinCheck. So here's his records, and you can see that with a high angle, short ramus, retrographic mandible, Class II elastics could be a disadvantage to further rotate that mandible down and back. And so we want to get a class two correction, but without increasing the vertical. Now, on the top left, we're going to be watching a video, or a clean check, of continuous alignment of two arches. And it's just that, it basically, it's as if I put in a nitinol wire on both arches, copper nitie, full engagement of the brackets, and watch the arches develop into good arch form, or an arch form that I was satisfied, and then at the end of the clincheck there is a bite jump. A few more details that we'll be able to see in the next video, but I hope that you can see these are just two arches with continuous movement improving the arch form. Here on the bottom right as I play it, what you'll notice is that as the arch form improved, For the first number of aligners, there was just pure arch form improvement until all teeth were aligned, and then at a certain stage, IPR was introduced. So once the teeth were fully aligned, there was still, let's assume the overjet started at five or six millimeters, at that point there was still four millimeters of excess overjet. We assumed if the patient will wear class II elastics, at that point, that four millimeters would be less. And we could show a bite jump and end the check right there. But I hedged my bets that maybe this patient won't wear elastics sufficiently. So I introduced some minor IPR from the distal of the upper first bicuspid to the distal of the upper first bicuspid on the other side, and through this IPR, I'll reduce overjet further. Now, if the patient comes in at stage 20 with overjet corrected, I don't need to use those final aligners or the IPR. And if the patient comes in with no correction and did not wear elastics, then I can offer that IPR. I say offer because at that point, if the patient decided to advance the mandible, we could also go to surgery. So here you see how we can develop a ClinCheck, giving us many options to help our patient to improve their occlusion depending on their desire and their willing to cooperate. So once again, at the end of the ClinCheck as I play it here, you're going to see the IPR then begin, and overjet is further reduced, and then there's a bite jump at the very end to show that even with my IPR, there was still some excess overjet that requires elastic wear. Now we're going to see how the patient progressed through this treatment. So here we can see the aligners on in the class two elastics that are often worn by a button to the seven. And the reason I use it to the seven, not the six more often now, is because I have full confidence in the posterior bite block of, of aligners to stop the molar from erupting. Traditionally, we've resisted putting elastics on sevens and braces because of the eruptive tendencies on the molars, the second molars, creating open bites from seven to seven. But with aligners, we do not get this effect. The patient came in at stage nine, and I was unable to push the mandible back, per se, and create any overjet. Now, I didn't really feel confident that in three months, The patient was able to rid of himself that much class 2 correction. So as a safety, I kept him on the elastics until stage 15. Then at stage 15, we stopped the elastics and then he went from 15 to 21. You'll remember that the IPR started at stage 22. When the patient got to stage 21, as you can see here in this picture, we still had no overjet, so now he's been wearing three months of the liners with no class two elastics. I have no overjet and I even have a bit of posterior open bite from the liner wear. I feel very confident that this patient has rid himself of his class two tendencies since for three months there's been no elastic wear and I still have no excess overjet. So I certainly did not use the last aligners, and what I did do, since his aligners were fitting so well, is we took occlusal markings, sent them to Invisalign to put him into refinement, so that I could refine the occlusion, since there were some minor interferences in the posterior that stopped him from closing. And we sent it to Invisalign without impressions, or scan, because I am scanning now, and they were able to reproduce the bite exactly in the refinement. And I ordered nine aligners in refinement, but he only wore five of them. So there was even overcorrection ordered in the, in the nine aligners, and I told the patient when his teeth feel well, he stopped. So he stopped at number five, which was really four aligners of upper refinement. So you can see from efficiency point of view, the number of aligners he wore was 21 plus 4, and on the lower, 18. Since after 18, they became passive aligners, and I just put his retainer in while we were doing the maxillary refinement. And I had the number of appointments it took us to treat him was nine. So I really believe that this patient changed the way I see the aligner efficiencies in Invisalign with Class two or Class three elastics, since they work so much more in the horizontal vector without the vertical disadvantage of elastics that we've traditionally seen. Other ways to manage class two treatments. I believe again, TADS is, a, is, is very, very much a favorite part of my practice when it can be used. And so here's a ClinCheck that was made with TADS in mind. So the first part of this ClinCheck is going to show the molars distalizing. And during that first phase, the TADs are glued to the lingual surface of the upper fours with a small wire, and we can order a cutout on the lingual surface of the upper fours. Then, once the first 10 or 15 aligners are worn, before we then give the patient these aligners that close the space and retract the anteriors, what I would do is I would then put a TAD maybe on the outside of the molar here, or a tad on the outside of this molar here, and glue the molar to make the molar anchorage. I would remove these wires, and then once the molar is anchorage, the patient can then wear the second half of the liners to retract anteriors. So when I look at the ClinCheck, the ClinCheck is really just a four system of coils. First to make space between two halves of teeth or two halves of the arch, and then later to retract space between two halves of the arch. We all know as orthodontists or clinicians that these teeth are going to end up in the exact same place as they start if we don't have TADS or Class II elastics to support this treatment. But if we have TADS, then this treatment can happen without elastic wear and even without lower treatment. Finally, as orthodontists, there are times with severe discrepancies in patients who do not want to do surgery that we remove bicuspid, And even bicuspid removal can be treated with Invisalign. Of course, there are many details that go into a ClinCheck that has bicuspid removal, just as we would not treat this patient with just a few braces around their arch to, I can't move the cuspid back by only putting a brace on the cuspid because I need anchorage to retract the cuspid and I know the molars are going to tip forward if I just put a button with the power chain. So I know that in braces, it takes full braces to treat this case and keep all teeth parallel. So, so too with bicuspid extractions. We're going to see a lot of attachments on these teeth in order to end up with the results that you see here. This patient does have one refinement and in total wore 44 aligners and then wore a refinement of 18 aligners. So they are finished in approximately two years, the same as they would if they were in braces, and they get good results. Of course, she's still retrognathic because she chose a non-surgical approach, but she's no more retrognathic than she was in the beginning, and she's much happier with her frontal smile, albeit we can agree that the upper incisors have been retracted as they would need to be to get rid of the excess overjet if the mandible is not advanced. And so we can have bicuspid removal in some difficult, challenging cases. And here's a ClinCheck of a bicuspid removal case. And you can see the number of attachments involved in the maxilla. There are power ridges on the upper incisors to improve torque, then there's attachments at the end to give the retraction. And so it is a complex treatment as bicuspid removal for braces is a complex treatment, and that's what I mean by we need to stop looking at the clincheck as teeth moving, but think of it as a liner surface is changing and then what's the force system to the teeth? And that's how you work out the details of a complex ClinCheck like this. And so through this ClinCheck, this patient was able to move her teeth. And here are some progress pictures of the patient during their aligner wear. And here's some close-ups of before the attachments went on with the power ridges in the maxilla. And then after attachments went on and the power ridges removed in the maxilla, You can see the fit of aligners well into the length of the treatment. Still good tracking. And here's the profile and progress of this challenging patient. And here are some progress pictures. And finally, success. This patient had 43 aligners in the maxilla, 35 aligners in the mandible, and did not have any refinement for this result that you see up here. So... I think that aligners can work, and the more we work our ClinCheck smartly, we can work smarter and not harder in the clinic. The the experience for this patient of just wearing aligners for a year and a half is very, very efficient and enjoyable treatment. When we get to Class 3 corrections, there are a number of options, again, for correcting Class 3s. And... There's no limit to the number of different options. An orthodontist has to look at each case and decide how to treat it, but we're going to show you a few examples of class three cases treated differently. A very minor case might be lower or mandibular IPR and alignment of both arches with no elastics. As we can see here, this patient was chipping her teeth from an end-to-end bite And at the end of treatment she has good overjet and overbite by gaining the space in the lower arch by IPR. This patient has a more considerable amount of class 3 malocclusion and is chipping both posterior and anterior teeth. And they also have the need for maxillary expansion. Now after the maxillary expansion, there is a greater amount of open bite, but for those of you who are familiar with my open bite techniques, this level of open bite is managed very, very well by Invisalign and posterior intrusion, and I invite you to look that up on Align Tech Institute and see exactly how we approach that. But once again, we can wear Class three elastics during this treatment, and they work just like Class three elastics would work to wires. And because this patient has complex bodily movements on many teeth, in order to close the open bite and get the expansion, you see a lot of attachments. But again, I believe if I treat this patient with braces, I can't skip so many teeth. I can't skip attachments either. But the Class three elastics work as they would in any patient and may be better with aligners because of the vertical control and allowing the elastics to completely express in a horizontal direction. And so at the end of treatment, the patient has adequate overjet overbite, adequate maxillary expansion, and much better anterior guidance and overall occlusal function. And I don't see the class 3 elastics working any different than the class 2 elastics except that they're in reverse. This patient is in another example of a class 3 case going to be treated with some Class 3 elastics after some expansion. Once again, the expansion produces a level of open bite, but that we manage with our aligners. But in this clincheck, I'd like to show you that before I was able to order class 3 el- or elastic hooks through the and with optimized attachments, what I did is in the middle of the, the clincheck at aligner number 10, or up to aligner 10, there was an optimized attachment on the lower cuspids so that we could derotate them. And then at aligner 11, we changed the attachment to a traditional attachment, and we were able to ask for class 3 elastic hooks to the aligner. So the patient did not wear any elastics for the first 10 aligners while the cuspids had an optimized derotation attachment. And then after that, in aligner 11 until aligner Approximately 25 when they finished because he finished, he did not use the last three aligners. So at aligner 11, he began to wear elastics and wore them through the rest of treatment. And so here you're going to watch the ClinCheck of just that request. So you'll see the optimized attachment switch to a traditional attachment at aligner 11. And then because this is a bite jump type of situation with posterior intrusion, At the end of treatment, there's a bite jump to represent both the class 3 elastic horizontal correction along with the posterior intrusion technique in order to jump the bite and close the open bite. So both those things are happening at the same time as this ClinCheck operates. And then the final result of this patient is very much as is shown from the bite jump. So here is the patient with their elastics. So the cutout is on the upper sixes. The elastic hook is on the mandibular cuspids after the traditional attachments have been placed. And here's the results of that patient. And you can see here that after treatment, his bite looks very much as the bite did look inside the bite jump or after the bite jump. And here's some closer-up pictures with treatment deficiencies, number of appointments, and number of aligners. So I use a removable expander in the beginning, expect a bigger open bite from this position, and then work the open bite back closed, and with the aligners we get to this occlusion. Another solution for Class three treatment is lower incisor extraction. It's not an ideal solution, no more than other solutions, but it is a good solution and one that if a patient does not want surgery and we have to grab the amount of space in the lower arch, I do use for some people. And so this patient had a lower incisor extracted and some minor IPR in the maxilla to take care of some Bolton discrepancy. And at the same time, our goal is the same as it would be in orthodontics. And so, here we see the ClinCheck from many different views, attachments as required. Therefore, not every tooth in the maxilla has attachments. Many of the lower anterior teeth have attachments, simply because those teeth have to have parallel roots at the end. So, root paralleling is possible with Invisalign. Again, it becomes more of a detailed analysis on individual teeth, staging them, and getting the movements proper. But my goal in the lower incisor extraction would be no different than a lower incisor extraction with braces. The choice is made as an orthodontic diagnostic choice, and then Invisalign just carries out the biomechanics of that choice. And so here we see the upper laterals that were needed both rotation and extrusion. And of course, today we have optimized attachments in both G3, or more so in G4, that would come on to create a nice continuous movement of this upper lateral to both derotate and extrude and tip the root in the right place. And it's all about the same forces. In the past, I needed to place traditional attachments to get a grip for this movement, and it was possible, but more difficult to order in the ClinCheck. The advantage of G4 is that Many of these attachments are showing up in the right place by the software. And so we can see good alignment, good tracking, and this is exactly what I would want to see if it was a lower incisor extraction with braces. Of course, the lower midline is no longer existent. The upper midline is aligned, and the the guidance has to be group function down the sides and anterior guidance in the front. But parallel routes and still the same goals of orthodontics. And again, I like to measure the t- treatment efficiency and you can see so many of them end up between 10 and 12 appointments and treatments. This case was 40 aligners, somewhere between a year. Some of them are very, very short as we saw earlier with 15 aligners after the functional appliance But for a lower incisor extraction case, I think 11 appointments and 40 aligners or 80 weeks, which is somewhere around a year and a half, is very, very reasonable. And what a beautiful experience for the patient not to have to wear braces to accomplish that. We can even do lower bicuspid extractions as a solution for Class three treatment. This was one of my much, much earlier cases, and I was happy with the result, although I think today I would have had power ridges on the lower incisors and more attention, especially to this lateral incisor here and its tip at the end. So both lateral incisors could have used power ridges to help the torque. It was just not available back then. But again, lots of improvement, and it is an option in Class three treatment. And these are some close-up photos of that case. And finally, we can have our surgical patients. And this is a, a different it's a surgical patient with a class three malocclusion and a twist that I'd like to share with you. So this patient is congenitally missing an upper lateral incisor and also has a class three skeletal base as we can see in the profile shot. And as measured by the Ceph, the upper incisors are quite proclined. So he has a hypoplastic maxilla that is being masked by proclination of the upper incisors to barely make an edge-to-edge occlusion. If we were to try, one option would be surgically assisted rapid palatal expansion, followed by making place for the implant, and followed maybe by a second surgery to advance the maxilla if it didn't fall forward during the surgically assisted rapid palatal expansion. And I'm sure there are many, many options. If we put 10 orthodontists together, we usually get 11 to 12 opinions. The treatment plan we chose together is a little untraditional, and that was to remove the lateral incisor on the other side, retract the upper incisors to make the maxilla smaller in the anterior and enhance the crossbite, the anterior crossbite. And then, by moving the molars forward or the maxilla forward to a class two molar relationship and using the cuspids in the position of the laterals, we'll be able to use the wider part of the maxilla more forward in the lower arch and avoid a, the surgically-assisted rapid palatal expansion. This may not be everybody's choice, but it was the choice that my patient myself and the oral surgeon made together for whatever reasons at the time. What we're here to study is the success of Invisalign to handle this patient. And so here, at the end of the first ClinCheck, we can see that the maxillary teeth are aligned. These are braces used at the time of surgery, but until this time, he had not worn any braces. And we can see the maxilla is aligned, the lateral incisor was removed, the lower arch is aligned, and then we place partial braces on the teeth, not on every tooth, so we can see some teeth don't get braces. The surgeon wanted a small wire between the two centrals, and we put partial braces on the lower arch, skipping some teeth, and placing braces on others in anticipation for wiring the teeth together. Now, the patient went to surgery, and when they go to surgery, they do come out with their aligners still on their teeth and wear interarch elastics. Again, the details of this can be elucidated in another, another format. But when the patient came back from surgery, I must say I wasn't totally impressed with the angle of these incisors nor with the amount of correction that we had. So, it looked like I still had some class 3 to fight. And I'm sure we're all used to getting cases back from our surgeons and once in a while, it's just not the way we wish it was. But we have to deal with it and we will. And so he went into refinement from this stage and our job was to better align the upper incisors and correct the tip of those upper incisors and use class three elastics in the refinement to still jump this bite and get the mandible behind the maxilla. And here's his final, after the refinement, and you can see he still has dust left over on his cheeks from just getting his attachments off. But we have good alignments in the maxilla. The cuspids are in the position of the laterals. We have a class two molar relationship. We did not do any surgically assisted rapid palatal expansion because the wider part of the maxilla is more forward. The mandible is still a full dentition, including wisdom teeth, and aligned, and the patient's profile is improved, and smile is definitely improved, and as well as overall occlusion. And so through the phases of treatment we can see the patient in there before, pre-surgical, and you can see the enhanced class three before surgery immediately post-surgical, which from the outside looked much better, but we still had quite some work to do on the teeth. And then we can see the final after the refinement. And these are some other pictures of the same case, but from the front. So I've reviewed several different ways of treating both Class two and Class three malocclusions. The important thing is the diagnosis in my mind, if we have a good diagnosis and a proper orthodontic plan, now our job is to make a ClinCheck meet that goal. And so that's why I see the video as being the second step, or the check is the second step in diagnosis, and certainly not the first. But all the same techniques that I've used in traditional orthodontics are available to me with Invisalign, and then there's some major advantage of the posterior bite block effect that I hope I have shown you today in being able to get better horizontal corrections from our class 2 or
0: class 3 elastics. I want to thank Dr. Dan for a great presentation and we look forward to seeing you on another Ask the Expert webinar. Thank you very much.